Say hello to the easiest way to find interested and qualified candidates. Dude, you need to tone it down. I was just napping. Uh, you mean Uncommon's automated sourcing that turns passive candidates into interested and qualified applications? Yep. Uncommon automation helps recruiters cut their sourcing time by 75%. Well, how much coffee did you have today? A lot. Anyway, dude, 75%. That sounds like black magic or something. Close. It's called automation. It's simple, actually. You just feed or post your jobs into Uncommon. The platform identifies your job requirements, and in seconds, Uncommon uses those requirements to search over 150 million candidate profiles. And then it pulls back only the qualified candidates. And don't forget, you can connect your email and Uncommon will provide automated outreach with your customized messages to activate those passive candidates, those pesky passive candidates. Even better. I'm going to one up you. Uncommon shows exactly how the candidate meets all the job requirements with a side by side comparison view against the job requirements, which means you won't be asking yourself what in the hell is this candidate doing here? No, but you will be asking yourself, where has Uncommon been all my life? Seriously? Uncommon is the easiest way to find qualified candidates, active or passive. Visit Uncommon.co and use discount code CHADCHEESE for 20% off. Uncommon.co Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Three, two. Hey guys, what's up? We are recording live yes. from Brant, Alberta, Canada. The gathering. Uh, hashtag. <laughs> hashtag inside the glass. Inside the glass. Uh, yes, uh, this is Joel Cheeseman. Chad I'm so accompanied wash. by Chad Sowash. Hello. Uh, special guest today, and all I really have to say is the creator of Elf Yourself. See, uh, I think that's pretty much the beginning <laughs> and end of the podcast. Yeah, that's uh, and we're done. I'm yeah. sorry. So let's get into let's get into the boring. <laughs> stuff uh justin genac g unit as his friends call him um founder co-founder of working not working uh a brooklynite which i refuse to believe because you're way too nice to be a brooklynite he's a sweetheart he really he's is. a total nice yeah total sweetheart uh <laughs> well, you nice. tell them you turn the mic on yeah fantastic asshole. beard unfortunately for our, he's our got listeners a great haircut, don't know yeah you got a great uh, haircut yeah it's like if chad and i had a baby the <laughs> Put my beard on his head, and that's kind of uh, Justin's look. Thanks, Justin, guys. welcome to the show. Give us sort of the uh, 140 character or less introduction about you. Uh, I, my background is an art director and creative director in advertising, and about seven years ago, uh, my co-founder Adam and I started Working Out Working. It's a global community of the best creatives in the universe. That's awesome. Wow. Working Not Working. So yeah. how did you come up with that name? Uh, well, back in the day when we'd freelance in New York, uh, the uh -huh. recruiters would be pretty old school and they'd be like, hey, Justin, are you working or are you not working? <laughs> and so we're like, well, shit, that's pretty appropriate. Let's just go with that. Uh, so, yeah. And you have an interesting story of how you let recruiters know you're open for work or not. Tell our listeners about that. Oh, yeah. So I had been freelancing uh, around New York uh, for about three or four years and finding a freelance gig was a pain in the ass. Um, you call and email every single person you knew in the industry. Uh -huh. 
never have a gig for you, wait two weeks, finally get booked, and then five more people would call me and I couldn't take the jobs. So I figured I'd just put a like motel vacancy sign on my portfolio site. <laughs> and so I called it the Justin Genac Freelance Status Apparatus. It was a giant blinking neon sign that said Justin's working, available or available soon. Dude, that is fucking genius. Thanks. And I'm, I'm obnoxious. <laughs> so I had an overutilization of technology. So I had a Facebook group, a Twitter feed, a text alert, an iPhone app, and a mailing list <laughs> to follow my availability. So however you want to stalk me. And I ended up with 40 recruiters from different ad agencies around the country following me. Every time I flip my status to available, I get two or three job offers within a day. Any jobs I couldn't take, I would email to my art director friends. And it got to the point where recruiters like, I see by your little sign that you're working or any of your friends available. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm a rep. I hope, I hope some students are out there listening at this sort of creativity for uh, creative yeah. jobs. Uh, I teased our audience at the beginning, but tell us the, uh, the elf yourself story. Oh, so I, I had been working at various ad agencies around New York and uh, I had been, was the first creative hire at the small, like four person shop called toy. And we got a brief from office max to get people to, you guys know what office max is? Sure. Okay, oh, yeah. cool. sure. Um, get people to do their holiday shopping at office max, which is stupid uh, because it's an office. <laughs> supply store why would anybody want to go holiday shopping there and so we had a very small budget only a couple hundred thousand dollars maybe enough to do one commercial we didn't really think that would make the big impact so we ended up doing 20 holiday theme websites that were gifts for office workers everywhere all linked by the little office max tab and you can go to any of them so there were ones like um uh, there was roastedturkey.com where you could roast a turkey in real time uh there was mistletoe in an elevator where strangers seemed like strangers came on and and started making out and freaking out other strangers that were in the elevator uh, and then the one that took off was Elf Yourself, which honestly, we had no idea what was going to take off. Uh, and it went nuts. And in the f- it was up for five weeks and it got 36 million visits. Um, at one point, there were eight elves being created every second. Uh, the second year that put it up, uh, it was up for six weeks and it got 193 million visits. Uh, and it just, uh, we had no idea what kind of elf fetish we were unlocking. Uh, and so we ended up, uh, yeah, we put it out there and it's still going. They, uh, they gave it to uh, Jib Jab and then it got crazy after that so yeah. they literally <laughs> sold the idea to jib jab no or i think office they, max I, hold the rights to it i think they partnered with jib jab and they figured out ways to monetize it they fucked you basically it. go yeah. ahead and say well, it. well i was only there for about a couple months after the first one launched so and then i went freelance so it was fine awesome you've got to start like the conversation with that so justin what have you done well yeah, i don't know if you know this little thing line it's for great chicks. for my dating life yeah <laughs> Although I spoke at a conference in Omaha to a bunch of students and one of the students, uh, this was on Monday, she's like, oh my God, my family's going to be so excited that I met someone that made uh, Elf Yourself because when I was six years old, we made elves of our family and I just went, oh my God, I'm so old. (laughs) When you were six years old. I'm like, oh yeah, that was like 13 years ago. So, it's crazy. So okay, let's let's yeah. let's get back into working, not working. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm sure you don't want to talk about that at all. So <laughs> so a platform that is focused on people like you, and yeah. this is, I mean, this is really the virtual sign that you're flipping on and flipping off, right? Yeah. I mean, it was that that idea, and you're just trying to take it to scale. Yeah, my co-founder Adam Tompkins and I, he was tr- working on his own startup at the time, trying to find freelance developers. It was impossible. Yeah. Uh, and he, we were talking, we we're like, well, if that sign could work for me, it probably could work for everybody. So. So uh, we built the site uh, and creators make a profile with their current availability really big at the top of their profile. Um, some examples of their work and then uh, companies go on and follow their favorite you know, creatives and get notified when they're available for projects. So really simple. Uh, yeah, they can flip you get your real time availability. They jump to your top of your dashboard as soon as they update and then you get pinged when your favorite people uh, are available for gigs. <laughs> so fucking smart. Thanks. How many people? How many uh, people? So we're at 65,000 creatives now around the world. Jesus. 
Uh, yeah. Now, when I first heard about the idea, and I didn't know about you, honestly, uh, but That's okay. I'm not a creative creative type, so I yeah. shouldn't have known about not you. Not at all. Yeah. But my first thought was, well, why don't they just join Upwork or Fiverr? I mean, there's certain uh, plenty of designers there. And you have a very interesting business model. Tell us about that. Well, I think for us, the curation was really important uh, to start. And so only about 10 to 15% of people um, that are on the site get a kind of vetted member status that are approved by our membership board. Um, so that was really important. And also, to we wanted to give people access. So we only charge companies a couple hundred dollars a month or you know a couple grand a year to have access to all of the talent in the platform, and that goes and you know really democratizes it and gives people opportunity. And so a lot of those other sites um, are driving the cost of freelance down. So you go and find someone, and it's like. To, you know, a logo designed to the lowest bidder for five bucks. Yeah. We have the best creatives in the world that are doing the Instagram logo and the Super Bowl commercials and all that. And the thing that's happened for them now is they're getting more opportunities because your opportunities used to only be however big your Rolodex was. And now they're getting jobs at agencies and brands around the world. And so they're more in demand and able to increase their rates and, and really be more in control of their own careers. So we had Josh Wright, uh, chief economist at iSIMS on the show uh, not too long ago. And we talked about sort of the the, the down you know the downward push of, of salaries and, and what money uh, what people could charge for their services and I love your business model that you actually curate and vet your people so you're actually increasing the amount of money that these folks are getting for the work that they do yeah and it's also giving them kind of a stamp of approval which you know some of our clients have said that they won't hire anybody unless they have a working out working member profile um, which feels really good to us on that we've you know been able to you know put that out in the world and 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 it's it also created a really big sense of community within you know our members and for me like we, we've always described it as we built a, a platform for in a network for our friends mm -hmm. our friends who are creatives and our friends who hire creatives so it's important to us to treat people how we would treat our friends and also talk to people how we talk to our friends so we call people out and uh, we, we say like when they apply for a job we're like make sure you're actually qualified and interested or else you'll look dumb and, <laughs> and, and we have a verification to make sure that they know that like make sure you're actually uh, you're into this because uh, you know sometimes you got to protect people from themselves uh, and so yeah, yeah it's important it's, it's a trust thing though too yeah, right trust, because you've yeah. got these huge brands that are coming in and they're looking for individuals who are qualified and if you have a bunch of unqualified individuals applying then it's like uh you know we we just have the same issue well, you, we you know really that don't yeah well we know that in the recruiting space it's like it's all about efficiency and you can you you throw a job up and you get a hundred people applying that's overwhelming never mind some other platforms you get five thousand and so for us it's like important that everyone that's applying is actually really good and it's going to save you a lot of time because we're doing the curation for you and you're getting the best people applying to your opportunities you had an interesting story as we were talking um offline about sort of the human element of working you know, by yourself or freelancing and, and how that human connection. And I would think that creative people in general are people, people, they like to get out, uh, express, you know, interest and, and yeah. bounce ideas around. So you have kind of an interesting take on that and maybe a solution around well, that. I think I, I didn't even realize until I was doing it and working from home, freelancers can be really lonely, um, especially if you're working on your own or you're bouncing from agency to agency or company to company. Um, it's pretty nomadic and, uh, and, and lonely. And, you know, I had seen at a conference recently that the World Health Organization said the leading cause of ill health and disability in the world is depression. And I feel like the creative industry, you know, probably is more susceptible, susceptible to that than others. And so for us, it's really important to bring people together in real life. So they're not feeling like, uh, you know, as alone. So we started doing uh, the first year. We did the first annual freelancer holiday party because freelancers never get invited to holiday parties. They're always like in the windows outside, fogging them up, watching people. 
you're getting gropey on the dance floor. Uh, and so we started I doing that. I want open bar. I yeah. want open bar. And we, we started doing drinking, not drinking. So it's a, you know, kind of a quarterly happy hour in different cities. And I also started doing a creative, uh, creative support group um, last year. So I call it talking, not talking. And we set up about 30 to 40 chairs in a circle and have a theme, whether it's courage or letting go or um, creative insecurity and just start talking about this stuff. Because I think it's really easy for people to put on like they have it all figured out. And mm-hmm. once you realize that nobody actually does you feel a lot better about your own journey and i think especially as a, a freelancer independent you want to put on that you're you know you got it and you, you know everything and you're successful and i'm hustling i'm hustling i'm killing it and that's hard to keep up because most of the time that's just bullshit and so i think it's really important to get people together talking about this stuff and and really supporting each other now do, now are recruiters invited to these events because i could i could see a lot of recruiters foaming at oh, the mouth yeah. in front of these creative <laughs> folks oh, uh, God. well we do we, yeah they, they they're invited to the holiday party and we do uh happy hours at brands all the time so bringing our network into them and nice. you know and so getting yeah. everyone together and let, really let them show off who they are and what they do uh, and i i've done uh talking not talking for recruiters too to talk about the struggles of that's completely changing landscape especially a lot of our clients are ad agencies where they're just losing talent left and right um, to you know brands and startups well talk about some of those brands what are some of the big brands that you kind of showcase yeah like our biggest clients are Apple Google Facebook Airbnb Nike um, I have actually cult brands yeah. those are cult brands never heard of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then like every every major ad agency uh, we used to have a thing at our homepage that said uh, remember if working not working creatives aren't working for you they're probably working against you um, and you know the best of the best are, are on it and they're using it and and a lot of I, when we first started a lot of recruiters had a lot of pride in their their Rolodexes right and they're like oh I don't need this and we initially built it just so you could have everyone you already like to hire on one dashboard and see who's available like right there and then who's available soon and who's working so you don't have to call and email everybody and so it's made those people better at their jobs and then being able to search the 65,000 vetted creatives really helped helps you get to better talent faster. And if you're not on it, you're kind of at a disadvantage, so. What's next for creative? I mean, is it around video? Is it virtual reality? God. Is it uh, mobile? Like, talk about what's what the trend is, uh, you know, coming soon and what's hot. Well, we're getting a lot of, uh, you know, we started primarily with advertising and design and illustration. And we've just seen uh, a lot of our clients diversifying their offerings. So getting more into production, mm-hmm. getting editors and cinematographers and directors and content creators. So we've been kind of going with that, that evolution as well and getting more folks on there. Yeah, VR was really hot a couple of years ago. Um, and and it's like <laughs> and augmented reality, all, all of that stuff, and and it's all still there. I think experiential um, creativity and and and. and brand experiences is going to be a lot more and I, I think especially our clients who are in advertising and in general I think IP is the future of this um, you have a lot of every creative I know has a startup idea a an app idea a, a, a movie idea and I think the, the the brands that are going to survive and the companies that are going to survive are going to start creating their own intellectual property investing in their own talent and being helped support them with their ideas and make that happen and if you're able to as a creative if I feel like I'm going to be able to make the best creative work of my life in in house here I have no reason to go anywhere else and if they're going to support my endeavors which 
now being an entrepreneur myself, it's really hard to start your own business. It's really hard to figure out who to talk to, how to do this right. And you know, we, we always joke that Adam and I, my co-founder, we're, we're, our business skills are two guys who know Photoshop. Um, <laughs> and so if, if you have a, uh, you know, an agency, you can go and use your resources to help make some of the stuff happen and then own a piece of that and, re and really start. So, you know. so not display ads in the Sunday newspaper. No, uh, yeah, small space ads are, are really big. What, you know, we, we bag, you know, I remember my years in advertising, uh, you know, it was always the joke, like I never wanted to work on radio. And then like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. And so I think there's, things evolve. I don't want to keep thinking I know everything. Uh, I, I think nostalgia, uh, nostalgia will kill you. Uh, nostalgia and assumptions will kill you. So um, it's going to be constantly changing and just really just paying attention to that. So, so we're here at an event that really is focused around cult brands, right? Yeah. And I think that companies are starting to understand not just these these big cult brands, but even these startups um, are starting to understand that brand means something. Yes, uh, it's a, not just a logo. Anymore. Yeah, it's not just a logo anymore. So talk a little bit about that. What have you seen from you know startups, mid market, and what have you, where there is that real focus on brand and experience, where before you know most companies just didn't give a shit. Yeah, we just made a product and put it out yeah. there. And I think even in, since we started seven years ago, there's just been such a cultural shift of um, companies and brands prioritizing creativity and design. You know, 10 years ago, my mom didn't give a shit about the user experience of her smartphone, but then she went and like got rid of her phone to get it, go back to her other one because it didn't work. The user experience didn't work as well. And then you have brands like the Airbnbs of the world and Apples that are making an expectation for quality design and creativity and thoughtfulness and, and, and the ways brands approach themselves and put themselves out in the world. And so I think the companies that we're seeing are success, being successful are putting you know, creativity in the C-suite um, and really making their connection with their consumers more important than ever and not just the products that they're shipping well, out. And they understand that brand actually impacts bottom line. So and I think that, that was kind of the big disconnect for, for years. It's like, ah, it's marketing leads. But it, at the end of the day, I mean, you're talking about actual brand, cult brand type of impact. That If you take a look at Apple and they come out with a new product and there's a line out the door, right? It, it's, it's like, how do you get there? And, and I think that, and this is just me, I think that most companies are, they're trying to start to reach for that brass ring. Um, they might not be able to get to the Apple status, but they can, they can have that cult-ish type of brand, even if it's in a certain segment. Well, it's really targeting the people that love your brand and doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on them. And, you know, even with my own personal projects and advertising work I've done in the past, I you know, Elf Yourself, I guess, was pretty broad. <laughs> but I always like to, do, to create ideas and, and invest in ideas that only 10% of people would get. Because then those people are even more passionate about it because they feel like they're in on something. And you see the brands that are being honored here at the gathering and the ones that we use day to day that we just love and adore. They're ones that are, are, are so, so integral to our, to our lives and, and, and we kind of can't live without. And so I think to have that indispensability um, in, in the hearts of your, your consumers and your fans is, is more important than ever. And piggybacking on that, let's let's talk about employer brand for a second. And you're, you sit at the crossroads of being a creative person, yeah. but also dancing a little bit in the recruiting world. Yeah. So talk about employment branding, how important is it? 
Uh, Chad seems to think they're one and the same. Are they different? Give us your opinion on employment brand. Well, I, I started, you know, in advertising and, I, and it's been mind blowing to me that people who are so good at marketing and positioning other people's brands do such a shitty job of marketing themselves. Um, and you can go and put up, you know, agency websites and mission statements and they're in, interchangeable. There's only a handful that really are able to dif- differentiate themselves. And I think the, the, the places that are having an easier time doing recruiting, especially the brands, I know what I'm going to get in, in, when I go to an Airbnb that aligns with my values. They care about people or, you know, I can, you know, Google. So, uh, employees now and workers are able to go and find the brands that speak to them and say, hey, I want to be a part of that. Um, advertising in, in general, they, they, they do have an advantage because I have friends that have gone in-house at brands and done it for a year or two and they just kind of got bored of you know putting stuff on white uh, and, and, and then want to go back to advertising. I think agencies actually have a benefit of the diversity of opportunities, but they just need to do, do a better job of giving people access to those opportunities because it used to be I'm going to go in there and yeah, maybe I'd have to you know kind of do my time in that big crappy client Mm-hmm. But I don't need to do that anymore because I can be in charge of my own career and I can go wherever I want. And so I think the the brands that are, are really making their, you know, you're not losing talent to Google because of free tandoori chicken on Thursdays. You're, <laughs> you're, you're losing because people feel like they can do, go there. They know what they're doing and they're doing it with purpose and, and they can make great work. And you have to be able to align with people's values and their purpose because um, just trying to convince people with ping pong tables and, and, and free snacks is, isn't really that's people don't give a shit about that. We survey we survey our creatives and they said no it's the the creative opportunity and the people that they're working with it's all about the people yeah yeah, yeah. well and then you take a look at i think just from from my standpoint facebook and all the shit that they've been through here lately right um and how that has impacted their brand and they're also their employees and their employment brand so therefore the big brand is the brand and, and what we try yeah. to do I think in, in every industries, we try to make things more complex. Mm-hmm. We try to fragment things and we try to say, well, this is this. And then th- this is different over here. And I, and just from my standpoint, I believe that the employment brand is part of the overall brand. And, and, and that is, that's the big key. Absolutely. But again, in, in our industry, I'm, I'm probably in the minority. There are so many people that just want to focus on employment brand, employment brand, employment brand. Oh, it's, it's all interchangeable. And I think it's also really important not to bullshit people. Um, I yes. think, you know, and on both sides of the coin, is you, if you, you're trying to get a job and trying to be the version that of you they think they want, or you think they want, and then the same thing with the, the companies, it's never going to work that way. If people are, it's like any relationship, you got to want to be, you got to be honest about what your needs are on both sides of the coin, and then the people that are able to keep that honesty there and the transparency there, and then, and, and then really focus on making sure people are happy um, are going to do really do really well and be really successful. I find that most of the time uh, your Glassdoor, Indeed, Kadunu, whatever reviews are your employment brand. And oh, it's more sure. of externally than it is what you say about yourself. All of our industries, no matter what segment you're creative or otherwise, they're very small industries and word travels fast and it's really easy to ruin your brand quickly. Um, word gets out and or my, I look at a friend and they're posting at 4 a.m. leaving the office. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to want to take a job That's there. No, no, at all. <laughs> and, and so I think it's really important that, you know, you, you go and be honest with yourself and, and, and who are you and, and how do you treat your people? Um, and then what is the reputation that we have out there? And if you want to know what's wrong with your company, hire a freelancer because they could been in multiple different places. can just come in and go, oh, yeah, your process sucks. These people are running the show. Yeah. Uh, these people are totally unhappy because they talk shit about whatever. <laughs> um, and you can probably find out within a week all of the issues in your company just by uh, hiring a couple of freelancers. So to be honest yes. with you. 
so when it comes down to kind of like footprint right now, you guys obviously you started in New York yep. and you've broadened broadened up. Where where are your big markets? Our biggest markets are New York, LA, London's our third biggest, just kind of organically wow. happened that way. San Francisco, um, obviously, and then uh, Toronto's building up, Amsterdam's building up. Um, and so we're primarily in the States, but yeah, we're kind of getting a footprint globally. We've got 65,000 creatives now. And you've uh, you've been dumb enough to start a podcast. Tell us about yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, well, I I got tired of going to conferences and seeing people only talk about the highlights and looking at people's social media and only seeing the highlights. And I can't relate to someone's amazing illustration skill, but I can relate to the struggle it took to get there. So I started Overshare a couple of years ago, and I interview creatives I admire about the struggles of being a creative professional, whether it's loneliness, creative insecurity, self doubt, all of that stuff, um, and try to get people that are like at the top of the game to be really honest about like the shit they struggle with because it's really easy to think everybody else has it figured out. But once you realize nobody actually does, uh, it makes you feel better about your own shit. Um, and so, yeah, I've been doing that. We've got season three I'm planning on now, and hopefully we'll start that in the next uh, month or two. Excellent. How uh, many episodes per season? We are do you just 13 gonna... episodes a season every two weeks. Um, uh, we ended right before Thanksgiving, season two, um, with this guy, Jeff Staple, who's like the godfather of streetwear. Uh, first episode of season two is one of the co-founders, Kickstarter, Yancey Strickler, uh, which is an amazing episode. So, yeah, a lot of uh, kind of a, a range of, of uh, business leaders and, uh, and creatives and artists and all Podcasts that. Podcasts are turning into Netflix shows like <laughs> season two comes out in March. Yeah, exactly. Well, Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, for those who want to know more about you, where, where would you send them if they want to learn more about your companies or you in general? Yeah, it's just workingnotworking.com or at WNotW and I'm uh, at Justin Genac, G-I-G-N-A-C. I just, can I just read one thing that sure. uh, oh, just yeah. makes me happy and <laughs> it makes me feel like we're doing something right? Um, we got a text message from one of our members uh, who got a text message from another member. And I, so I'm just going to read you the text message. Hey, Mike, this is that random dude that you sponsored to be on Working Not Working after dropping you and your mom off through Lyft. <laughs> I just wanted to message you and thank you for opening that door for me. The last two years have been crazy. I was at Apple doing UX. and I'm currently at Nike as a senior product designer. Two years ago, I was doing Lyft and Uber every day to survive, and I still remember those days. Hopefully, you're doing well. Just wanted to drop you a note and thank you again. It might have seemed small, but you helped turn my life around. This is where we throw in the applause. Uh, yeah, the applause like, uh, you know, it's like that kind of stuff. That's what, you know, and I think anybody who I know that's a recruiter, that's what they aim to do. And, and, and now being on the other side of the coin, having been a creative and doing this now, I get so much more fulfillment out of enabling other people to do what they love. Um, that this, you know, that, that kind of stuff yeah. makes me feel real good. Well, Justin, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be taking the stage with you tomorrow. Uh, hopefully yeah, excited. talking about more shit. And uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, guys. Great. Yes, we did it. We out. <laughs> Hi, I'm Emma. Thanks for listening to my dad, the Chad, and his buddy Cheese. This has been the Chad and Cheese podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Be sure to check out our sponsors because their money goes to my college fund. For more, visit chadcheese.com. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network 
and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.